The following podcast is brought to you by Love Chatham, providing help for the homeless and hungry in the name of Jesus for those in and around Chatham County, North Carolina at chathamhomeless.org. Welcome to episode 251 of Amen, Brother Ben. It's the podcast that keeps you focused on God and acting like Jesus. So let me ask you a question. Are you saved? I know you've probably heard that old Baptist ask you that, but I really want you to consider if you're really saved or not. Like, like, do you really even Jesus, bro? As the saying goes, um, actually, no one says that. Anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's your brother, Ben. It's Pastor Ben here. I've got a, a very special guest. Um, and, and this week, I figured if Pastor Randy could booster my uh, listens last time, that if I had Pastor Jason on this time, Mr. Jason Keller, the executive pastor and worship leader and uh, so on and so forth uh, up in Liberty, and then I, that's got to bring even more listeners in. So can I expect that, sir? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah Absolutely. In fact, if you... Um, because I know the competitive nature, Jason will go out and he will say, listen, we need X amount of listens on Ben's podcast so that I can go to Randy and say, see, they listen to me more. <laughs> That's right. And I've got some people who will help me out. Yeah, it's right. Well, again, just, just in your household, again, just getting the Keller household to listen <laughs> is going to boost my numbers by quite a bit. Um, uh, Jason, man, thanks for hanging out. I know you're a busy guy, but you and I have talked a little bit lately and over the past year or two, uh, just being your friend and be- being a co-laborer in, in the faith. Did you like that word? Because you, you, you yeah, took that like- the other night when we were hanging out. I, I said it, and then you said it. I'm like, yeah, that's a good word. Yeah, that's- co-laborer. Doesn't that sound – I mean, that's smart. That's like not going to the beach but going to the seashore. It's going to like the, just another level. That's right. You're, that was, you're saying the same thing as, as Jenna would say. Why didn't you just say it the other way? Because it sounds better. It sounds more fancy this way. Um, but we've talked a lot about, and you have experienced a lot of salvation um, recently, as far as um, people that you know and love, people that you have uh, been tasked to disciple and raise up, uh, whether it be your family, whether it be um, Freedom Family Church, getting saved. And we talked this past week. Jason, I'm sure you've already listened to the sermon um, that you've played it three or four times on YouTube. But uh, we, we're in the book of First Thessalonians, and we were talking about standing firm in our salvation and the fact that God is calling us through the Holy Spirit and pre- through the preaching of the good news um, for us to get saved and that when he does it, um, he's not going to lose us. It's not, it's not one of those things that we, we keep by our, our good behavior, but our behavior can very much show whether we're legit or not. And we talked about stuff like joy in the midst of suffering. We talked about, um, actually witnessing or being that example. And the fact that maybe more than just you, uh, and telling mother, you don't necessarily have to tell people that you're a Christian. They can see it. Um, and then also, you know, actually changing your mind, repenting of sin as being these markers that we'd saw in first Thessalonians, um, that, that you can kind of tell, you can kind of get an educated guess on whether you are saved or someone in your life is saved. Um, but we, you, you have experienced in your ministry a lot of people that for a long time thought that they were saved, and then come to find out they weren't. Right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I know you may not believe this, but I have actually seen the sermon from this past Sunday. And as you're walking through the passage in Thessalonians, I thought, what a great way to describe being able to stand firm um, in your salvation and those three things particularly that you brought out, which is excellent. In my own life, as both a minister of Freedom Family Church as well as a, a husband and a father, I've witnessed some changes to people that are around me because they've gotten to the place where the Holy Spirit does convict them, bring them to a place of repentance, and they've been obedient to God. And as a result, we've seen change. And what's mm-hmm. unique about those experiences we've had, both at the Church of Liberty, inside my own family, um, in other ministry areas that I'm involved in, is that there's been a noticeable difference. Even in individuals where you might would say, hey, they're, they've got to be saved because they're good people. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they mm-hmm. act a certain way. They they wear the right kind of attitude on the outside. They do good things. They're giving. Uh, some of those markers of the fruit of the Spirit are there. But in reality, it was it's like uh, plastic fruit sitting in the bowl in the middle of the table. And, and it, it looks really good on the outside, but it's not going to do anything. That's not going to accomplish its purpose because it's just a picture rather than having something for real on the inside. And we've experienced a lot of changes in our church because we've had people who've been willing to admit their lack of surrender, their their playing of this religious game, and come to true repentance and experience surrender and giving it all to Jesus Christ. And as a result, we've kind of experienced this um, this pattern that's emerged among those that were faking it. And they've They've been willing to stand up and say, you know what? I've examined myself as well. The Holy Spirit has convicted me of my sin and my situation, and I've gotten to the place now where I'm ready to surrender my life to Christ. And when they do that, and they they do rely on Jesus Christ for their salvation, um, man, what a marked change we've noticed in these people, the way that their, their lives are changed, the way the Holy Spirit empowers them. And I would say it's been probably really a season of 18 to 24 months in the church um, of just seeing people come to know Christ and seeing them make changes in their life that have been extremely noticeable and extremely impactful for the kingdom of God throughout our community, inside of our church, inside of our families. And uh, God's really been at work and it's been a great thing to witness. That's awesome. And, and the fact that it is, you know, one of the things that I think you're acknowledging here and, and that we have to acknowledge is we, this is this is the work of of God first and foremost. Like we we have to be obedient. We we can encourage that. We can be a tool in the master's hands, but you know, that's we you and I often joke about churches that say we going to have a revival this week. You know, yeah. you're telling God when he's going to revive somebody. Like you can be a part of it and we would <clears throat> we can pray for revival, but it is it is God that's that's moving and it's it's something between God and that person and cuz I don't I don't. I mean, was there was there any? And again, this may just be like, nope. It's all. I mean, this is all unexplainable. But um, was did you sense or noticed a shift in how how people were discipled or how the word was preached? To that, all of a sudden, God started using that to in, in a better effect, or was it just kind of we're doing the same thing we've always done, but but the Holy Spirit has has been deciding to do something different. Well, obviously, the message doesn't change, right? Yeah. The gospel doesn't change sure. the importance of the gospel. Um, that, So in that sense, it's always been the same message. 
But what we have to remember is that because it's not anything we do or say, as much as we want to, as pastors, put our spiritual goggles on and somehow be able to look at somebody and tell uh, what's in their heart and their relationship with Christ, yes, we can expect their fruit and all of that. But at the end of the day, that's such a personal decision. We want to know it, but the reality of it is it's the Holy Spirit who draws them, and he draws them at a moment that we can't predict. We can speak mm. the truth. Mm-hmm. We can live our lives in truth, which is, of course, a much greater witness than our spoken word. Of course, as preachers, we don't necessarily want to think that. We want to think the awesomeness comes out of the mouth. But Obviously. It really comes out of the yeah. way we live our life. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, but it really comes out of the way we live our life to identify hardships that we go through. And in the midst of those hardships, to have the joy, like you talked about in the sermon, people go, that's different. I don't know what's different about that, but that's different. And that really is witnessing. I mean, that's mm-hmm. really where you see other people who have joy in the midst of suffering and pain, that becomes a witness to them where people come to the point of repentance, which is all mental work. It's repentance is in the head Mm -hmm. that leads to a change in actions, but it all starts in the head where somebody goes, you know what? There's something different about that. And I want that. I need to start thinking differently about my own life. And I think that's what we saw. Did we do some things different? I'll tell you that part of the snowball began in our church, as we saw some decisions come uh, be made in some key people, it began with us doing um, a Bible study throughout the course of the week, starting small groups, yeah. but also looking at the life of Jesus Christ. When, when The Chosen first came out, the television series about the life of Jesus, we decided what an easy way for us to be able to expose people to help them see who Jesus really was because it's, it's so well done. It's so very biblical and, but it helps people understand that maybe he's not the God of thunder and lightning standing and sitting on a cloud waiting to destroy everybody, but there really is a savior in him. There really is a personal savior. Yeah. And so when we saw Jesus Christ through the eyes of the, the developers of the chosen, we began to see people see Jesus in a different way and through God's grace and through um, the Bible study that we brought, which sometimes had something to do with the episode we watched that week, sometimes it didn't. But just by being able to say, this is Jesus, this is who he is. I think anytime yeah. we can get to the place where we just say, here's Jesus, look at Jesus. Mm. If you'll turn your yeah. eyes upon Jesus, mm. you'll get the right perspective in your life. And it gives the Holy Spirit an opportunity to convict and to bring us to a place of genuine repentance. That may have been what started the most recent mm-hmm. um, change. But what happened was somebody finally in leadership, somebody was willing to say, I, I'm, not, I'm not where I need to be. My relationship with God is fake. I'm, I'm the fake fruit. I'm not the real deal. Mm-hmm. And because they were willing to publicly make a change, it caused other people to examine their lives. And it caused other people to go, you know what? I need to be honest with myself. I need to be honest with my God. And the Holy Spirit began to convict. And in my own family, um, it, it began with a summer camp. And, you know, if you, you lined my kids up, and there are quite a few of them which you've already alluded to, but if you, if you line my kids up and say, hey, this, you could pick one kid out of this lineup, out of the Keller kids, and they, they're not saved, which one would it be? Everybody would have picked another kid besides the one that said, I've been taking it. Uh. It's not real with me. And so because of the decision made at summer camp from the perceived good kids, Uh I mean, 
it's the one that's most like me. So obviously they're they're the most spiritual sure, of the yeah, bunch. But yeah. it's it it but from the perceived good kid finally coming to the point where she heard a friend say, You know, when Jesus talks to me, he sounds this way. And her realizing, I've never heard the voice of God. Mm. God's never really talked to me. I've heard dad, I've heard my preachers, I've heard my teachers, but I've never really heard the voice of God. And that's a problem for me in my life because I don't have a relationship with God. I, I've, I've done a really good job of living a get this, of living a Christian life without being a Christian. Mm. And it's possible. And when you come to the place of saying, I don't have a real relationship, and you're willing to humble yourself to, to say, I am wicked, I'm evil, I'm bad, I cannot do this on my own. I've been faking it. I've been living an okay Christian life without being a Christian, without really being a disciple of Christ, without really being a follower of Christ. But now I'm coming to a place where I want a relationship, and I just got to surrender everything. And I'm going to swallow my pride, and I'm going to humble myself before God and in front of my friends and in front of my family, and I'm going to tell everybody, I accepted Jesus Christ as a Savior tonight because I surrendered my life to him, first of all. Mm-hmm. For the first time, surrendered totally, completely. Then guess what? This seemingly good kid actually began to show fruit that was real. Yeah. And there isn't a conversation over the last, this has been almost 18 months now, but over the last 18 months, I have had numerous people come to me and say, you yeah, know, we really liked this kid before. But now, let me tell you how we've seen changes. Yeah. Let me tell you how we've seen spiritual growth. Let me tell you how this kid has stepped up in a, in a way that we didn't think was possible because we thought it was good before, but now it's just so real and it's just so genuine. Huh. And I think that that's one of the growth is one of those things that you, you got to be careful that it's that it's not all about the the numbers or not all about the you know you can over quantify you can try to quantify growth, but it is it is really clear that if the spirit of god is in you and working it's going to you're going to be different than you know from from the last year um e- even if you're pr- you were pretty good before it's growth is one of those things it's not just for the super christians it's not just for the leadership which again i think that that's you know you saying that that leaders and pe- and people that were perceived as as mature Christians coming out and being real that is to me the uh, a, a, a sign that they are now leading because they're leading in you know leading in what the by example um, and and it, everything does kind of rise and fall with leadership as as Pastor Randy always says but um, man seeing or or understanding that um, growth is going to be inevitable and it's not going to yes it's going to take work but if you're if you're stagnant that may be something that you need to go hmm is why am i stagnant am i stagnant because of uh, a a particular sin that i'm continuing to um to choose or am i stagnant because i'm i'm not even in christ but it's hard i know a lot of i've talked to quite a few people that have a hard time differentiating that you know what i mean like that that there is that there is um you know cuz cuz you're all you're going to have seasons of where you, where you plateau so to speak you're going to have some seasons where you're more distant from god because of your sin or for whatever reason um how, how have you navigated trying to tell you know cuz one again once you start um you know we'd rather err on the side of of people making sure you know thinking that they're not saved when they are versus the other way around but 
how how have y'all now or is there a way to navigate dealing with family members or friends or church family that um can't really figure out why you know which one are they are they if they are they a son or daughter in discipline or are they just not even in the family at all have you figured have you seen anything specific like that so i think it's so important for us to remember that we don't save ourselves yeah and therefore it has to be a work of the holy spirit which means our salvation is not going to be based on our actions Mm. so if there's nothing that I can do to bring myself to salvation, and there's nothing that I can do to, to, to have me plucked out of the Father's hand, there's nothing I can do to lose my salvation. There's also nothing that I can really do in my Christian walk and journey that get, that makes me saved or not. Yeah. So we have to make sure that we, we don't put the emphasis of salvation on something that we do. I don't feel saved. I don't act saved. All of those things, because we are warring with ourselves. We are sure. dealing with the old nature that is still inside of us, even when we are saved. However, just like you said, there's fruit. There's there's some opportunity for growth. One of the, the studies we've done recently at Liberty, and we've done it before, was walking through the purpose-driven life. And Rick Ward makes this statement in the book that says, you know what? God wants you to grow up. Yeah. And he refers to the passage in Philippians where it says, look, you're not going to stay the same. You're going to grow. I like to say when it comes to the fruit. If it's active living fruit, it is either growing and ripening or it's rotting, but it's doing something. It's doing something. It's yeah. either, yeah, it, it, the fake fruit is the only fruit that always stays the same color all the time and never changes. Mm. So, so if it's real fruit and fruits of repentance and change that comes from a heart of knowing God and having a relationship with God, you're going to see it. Yes, do you go through seasons of stagnation? Yes, but only because it's sin. It is yeah. only sin that prevents us from being in the presence of God. You think about it. If we're in the presence of God every day on a regular basis, how can you not be changed? If you stand in front of the sun, you are going to be changed yeah. on a regular basis. Now, if you run and hide from that, then there there may be a, um, a falling back or a falling away. Again, it doesn't change our salvation or our position in Christ because we did nothing to earn that. We did nothing to be there in the first place. Yeah. But we would expect there to be fruit growing. Here's the other thing that I've just come to know. The, the bottom line is when I counsel with people, when I have people come in and they're questioning their salvation, I just really don't know anybody who can be made alive. They're dead. They have no communication yeah. with God. Their spirit is dead. Be made alive and know an awareness in the presence of God and feel his presence in their life see his presence demonstrated in their life and then later say, well, I just don't know. I just don't know if I ever got saved. I just don't know if I ever Mm -hmm. was saved. There's just such a, and this is from personal experience. There's just such a, a knowledge and a peace of walking with God. Now look, I praise God. I have been saved for 40 years and I can, I did not walk in the presence of God for 40 years. I have not. I, mm-hmm. I still have a pain inside of me for a feeling that I have squandered the opportunity inside of me to know the Holy Spirit and know, know God. Now, a lot of that was as a child, and I grew in grace and knowledge, but I was not empowered by the Holy Spirit constantly as a child, even though that power was inside of me. So, yeah, there was still poor choices that I made in my life. There were seasons of my life where I wasn't choosing to grow. In fact, I feel like I was ripening as a fruit 
and showing fruits of the Spirit and then rotting as I let sin enter my life and destroy me and to where there had to be restoration throughout my life. But that didn't change my position in Christ. Yeah. I think somebody who comes to the place where they say, I don't know that there ever was a time. I don't know that I've ever felt the presence of God. Just like my child said to me, I never heard the voice of God. God's yeah. never spoken to me. Well, I mean, there is a there is a difference that takes place inside that results in a difference on the outside. A desire to read your Bible, a desire to pray, a desire not to do what's right, but to understand I can't do what's right apart from the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of me. Yeah. yeah. So all of those things I've used as I've counseled individuals who are like, well, I just don't know. Well, chances are, if you are, if you don't know, then you aren't, because there are so many evidences in my life every day that yeah. the whole that an Almighty God and the Holy Spirit is very ever present with me. Yeah, and and He's going to know how to speak to you. That's what I've told a few people. Like, if you call on Him and ask Him, whatever answer you get in your gut, like trust it, because He knows how to speak to you better than I do. Like his, if the Holy Spirit is in you, you're, you're, you're going to understand and, and, and you're going to at least have that, you know, assurance of salvation. You know, the Bible talks about that. Yeah, and just like, yeah, just like scripture says, when my sheep hear my voice and they know me. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you're going to know when Jesus speaks to you. Well, and I know that the, this past, you know, and this is, again, we're, we're talking about this so that you as a listener, um, can can not only wrestle with these things in your heart, but also you know how to uh, wrestle with these things in the lives of people that you know and love. Because I've I've witnessed too friends who got saved or friends who um, you know that they didn't think that their whether it be their spouse, their kids, their family, their friends um, that they were you know had this idea that oh I don't think they're saved, and they would kind of come in come in pretty hot on you know you're going to hell you know, you're doing this, you're doing that. And it, it it wasn't quite effective, um, at, at reaching them, whether they were or not, if, cause if they, if they were, you know, you, you kind of take the chance of, and there's really not a handling this with too much arrogance and not enough humility. Uh, there's really a no win because whether they're lost or whether they're saved, you end up, you know, um, kind of scorching, scorching the earth behind you or, um, with them. But, that's definitely, I can imagine, especially the people that I know, it's changed. It's, it's one made me not take things for granted. Right. And I don't want to ever want to look out and, and, and not pray for people in a way that if somebody's lost, that my prayers couldn't, couldn't be something that God uses in the Holy spirit to, to move. Cause the Bible is clear. Our prayers do matter. And our, and it's not like we're not like god has has everything decided for us and we just are are pantomiming you know and and wasting our time with prayer but also you know that's got to change how you pray for people right yeah absolutely um yeah i mean absolutely and there's going to be so many indicators and you know, one of the things that's happened is I've I've met with these people and counseled with people who've made decisions for Christ over the last eighteen months in, in this ministry. Um, <clears throat> they would come to me and would I would be shocked. You know, I think I think that they're coming to me to counsel about some situation in their life. 
And when they say to me, I don't, I've never accepted Christ as my Savior. I've never surrendered my life to God. I've never chosen Jesus. I would be shocked. I would. But as soon as they said it, knowing that it was of God and from the Holy Spirit, my spirit would have such confirmation. And and I would just hear from the Holy Spirit of God in my heart saying, Lord, they're right. This is, and immediately I would go to prayer. It's one of the great things you learn to do as a counselor is how to pay attention to what the other person is saying while you're sending up, hey, help me, um, uh, prayers, and, and God, walk me through this, help them to, to see this, and don't let me fail you in, in the words that I say to be able to guide them to the place where they need to be. But um, they, your prayers for people that you think are unsaved, you have to be so careful because it, and it comes back to that statement I just made. It's you think, and what we think mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Now we bear responsibility as spiritual leaders, and maybe your listeners aren't all spiritual leaders. I think you lead yourself, but sure. as a spiritual leader, I bear responsibility to be able to identify in people's life. Hey, there's there's something not right. So we we talk about sin. We identify sin in people's lives. And when we expose them to their sin, if they are unsaved, then that's going to bring them to the place of repentance if they're willing to say, I am a sinner. Not just I've sinned this one thing, but I'm a sinner. Yeah. Yeah. And otherwise, if we don't expose them to their sin and we just say, well, we need to pray for them because they're probably not saved, then I think we do them a disservice. But if every conversation we have is pointing them towards Christ, yeah. Which is really our responsibility, right? Um, as fellow believers, not just spiritual leaders, but when we are dealing with unsaved, every situation, every conversation really should point them to Christ. And it really should be more about us than it should be about them. It should be, let me tell you what God's done in my life. Let me tell you how uh-huh. I struggled with that same sin that I see you struggling with, and how He's given me victory. They can't argue with that. There's no reasoning. There's no argument that takes away my personal testimony. Uh-huh. And as I witness to them, to to maybe say something that the Holy Spirit will use to bring them to conviction. So kind of to, to wrap up here, um, I think what we have drawn from these examples and from Scripture uh, is a couple of things. If you're worried about uh, whether you are saved or not, um, you one, I think, and, and Jason, you can, I want you to jump in you know, and add to it if you think there's something more to this, but I, I think that one of the things you, you got to start with yourself. You got to worry with, with yourself first. I know a lot of people that like to, to look around the room and judge other people and well, I ain't even, they ain't even saved. But, um, if you are, if you are saved yourself, one, you're going to, if you think that that's going to, that's going to drive you to prayer for them, but also you're going to pay attention and make sure that yourself, that you've examined yourself to see if, you know, that you pass the test of faith. And so I think first and foremost, um, I think Jason hit the nail on the head. Um, if you're not sure, like if you, if you don't know, and, and then you, you one need to talk to people that, that know you and see if there's any fruit that they can see. But, but ultimately it's, it's between you and God. And, um, if you are, um, if you don't hear from him, if you don't feel bad for your sin, if there, if you have no desire to live for him, 
Um, you just know that that's something that other people want you to do. Uh, it's a good chance you're, you're not saved, that you've never had um, this. this. And again, it, it, everybody's moment looks different, but you know, gone from death to life, but made a new creation. Um, that's a big deal, and that's something that you're, you're probably going to remember. Um, you may not remember the exact moment as far as like the day and the time and could recall every word that was said in that moment, but you remember the feeling and you remember the place that you're, that you're in. Um, but also, um, this is this is something that you don't get to just. Um, that the, the first thing you want to do for other people is pray. That there is, um, if you if you're not sure if somebody in your life is saved, um, you definitely have no, absolutely no calls to go to them until you've prayed for them, um, and and then hearing from the Holy Spirit on how to go about that. But ultimately, resting in the fact that. It's it's God that does this. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's, it should be kind of a weight off your shoulders. I know coming up in a in a traditional Baptist church, and Jason, you had a pretty uh, a pretty uh, fundamentalist kind of background uh, yourself. That, that a lot of times they lean extra hard on you know you ought to be doing this and you ought to be doing this, and and we kind of forget. Uh, when we're trying to be super moral and we're trying to 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 achieve to make sure that we're showing the fruit, that we end up thinking we end up forgetting that it's ultimately on God. And just because you don't do everything exactly right, or you may miss the mark on a couple things, um, or you don't say all the right words to that person, that doesn't mean oh well God can't save them. Like it's 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 His responsibility and His job, not ours. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as we, as we bring this to a close and I'm thinking about you, um, and, and as a listener to this podcast, possibly thinking, I don't, I don't really know whether or not I'm saved. Um, I don't really know whether or not I've made that choice and that decision. That's a, such a, a difficult place to be in. It's such a, such a terrible place to be in that has an answer. And it is not, salvation is not about bad people becoming good. Salvation is about dead people becoming alive. And what I have found over my years of counseling, my years of ministry, is that for these folks who are, are faking, if you're alive, if you have the Spirit of God in your life and you're choosing to sin, you're a person that's alive that's pretending to be dead. And you are going to mm-hmm. be miserable. If you are alive pretending to be dead, you're, you're not going to be happy. You're going to have misery. You're going to have heartache. You're going to have this, this in, something's not right on the inside. I mean, a live person doesn't crawl in a coffin and just lay there all day long. It's, it's misery. But if you're a dead person that's pretending to be alive, you're not going to feel anything because you're dead. Mm-hmm. You may be going through the motions. You know, you think of weekend at Bernie's and they're throwing all this <laughs> stuff around and his arms are flying everywhere. He's, yeah. he's dead. Bernie's not feeling anything. It doesn't matter what happens to him. He's not feeling anything because he's dead. If you're dead pretending to be alive, things are going to happen in your life and you're just going to be numb to it. But you can't be alive and know the Holy Spirit of God and know the one true God and pretend like you're dead and not be absolutely miserable in your life. And we have got to be careful that we don't pass our judgment on to others, but rather that we pray for those individuals, get them to that place. If somebody comes to you in misery, because they're trying to live a life that's not that doesn't line up with the calling that they have um, as being a child of God, that's a pretty good indication, actually, that they're alive, mm-hmm. that they know what's mm-hmm. right, that they have that they have the Spirit of God resting inside of them. Now, 
they need to act like it because I'll tell you this, being alive and acting alive are two different things. Yeah. Being alive and living are two different things. So yeah, there's, there are plenty of Christians out there who don't act like it. They've gotten discouraged. They've gotten let down by other people, maybe even by church. They've put themselves in a mental place to not act in the power that they have in, in the Holy Spirit of God and the power that reigns inside of them. So they don't have the joy. They aren't much of a witness. And they don't exercise repentance in their life and changing. They've gotten to that place, but I promise you they're miserable. Mm. And because they're they're alive people trying to act like they're dead. Mm. But we ought to pray. We ought to bring them to the place where we can say, this is what Jesus Christ has done for us in our life. And I promise you that if you'll talk about Jesus, it'll either be convicting or they'll be numb to it. And it'll be a pretty good indication as to their standing with Christ. And I also just thought about this. We have a sermon series from a year or so back uh, at our church called How to Know You Are Saved. We're going to link, uh, put a link down in the description to that sermon series that you can watch on YouTube uh, if you're wanting to dig into that even more. Listen, we would love, this is, this is a matter of life and death for eternity. And so if you have any questions about anything that Jason and I have been talking about today, uh, please send me a message, pastorben at lovesiler.com. Then I'll promptly forward it to Jason and let, let him handle it. But <laughs> no, or, or what, either one of us. Yeah, we, we don't mind. Um, Jason, thanks for hanging out. That was, uh, those were some, listen, there, we had nuggets last year. That was some chicken tenders is what we had. This, hey, hey. This, we, we were, we were feasting on, on, on some of that, but, uh, thanks for hanging out and, uh, sharing your experiences with us. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, I hope you'll, you'll join us again next time in person. So, um, I know we'll, uh, we'll have you in here as soon as we can, buddy. Um, again, Hey, amenben.com. If you need anything from me, pastor Ben at love siler.com. We'll be back next week. Lord willing, the Creek don't rise for episode 252. Y'all have a great week. We love you. Hey, figure out if you're saved or not. It's kind of a big deal.